0: Well, good evening, everybody. Welcome to Bible study. Good to see you tonight. Glad you're here. Uh, we're going to take a few moments pray ask god's blessing on our time and then get started with our bible study it's good to be back father thank you for uh just see uh your presence here we've gathered in the name of jesus and you're here in our midst you proclaim that you say that Uh, we believe you and here you are we ask that you would speak tonight you would lead us into truth We pray, God, that we'd have ears to hear. We ask you, Jesus, that there'd be revelation in our midst. I pray for deeper understanding. I pray for uh, just a a larger revelation of you, your love, your grace, your mercy, who the Father is. And I pray, Father, that we would uh, just be able to grab hold of some of that truth tonight. So, Holy Spirit, we ask that you teach us jesus we ask that you lead us guide us i pray god that we would recognize and really participate in your presence here tonight we give you thanks for all that you do we give you thanks for the power of your holy spirit we give you thanks for uh, just leading us you are the way you're the truth and you're the life and so we thank you for that we ask god you'd have your way we ask it in jesus name amen if you have your Bibles, let's open to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 14, Mark 14. If you need a Bible, uh, locate located on the tables. Feel free to use a Bible. You can have a Bible if you'd like. We obtain Bibles to give away. Gospel of Mark, chapter 14. I need a volunteer to read verses 35 and 36. Going a little farther, he fell to the ground and prayed, that if possible the hour might pass from him. Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, get not what
1: I will, but what you
0: know. All right, thanks. Uh, <clears throat> this is the night before uh, Jesus. Uh, he's going to be taken into custody, and uh, we have this accounting of him as he is preparing and being ready to go about what the father has for him and uh, you see a very human moment here it's a just a very natural human moment that you see jesus in and it's it's kind of interesting that because of certain theologies christologies certain perspectives people try to explain verses like this away and it's a shame because these verses really speak to us about the humanity of Jesus. They speak to us about not only who he is, but who we are. The Bible describes Jesus as, in the book of Romans, is that he is the second Adam. And he, in other words, he's the second shot at humanity. We had Adam who messed it up, and then we got Jesus who didn't mess it up, but in order for him to be the second Adam, he has to be a human like us, uh, and, and so or it doesn't make any sense. For him to say things like, you've seen the things that I've done, you'll do even greater. Uh, the only way that makes sense is if he was a human, and according to Acts 10.38 and other places in the Scriptures, that he was empowered by the Holy Spirit, and he went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed of the devil. Because you can't really put somebody up as an example, and, and follow me on this, you can't really have somebody as an example. In other words, be like him, if it's impossible to be like him. Okay? that It doesn't work that way. And and so we we look at that, and it's like, all right, well, then Jesus is, he is that human. He is that empowered human. He is that human that made the decisions that Adam couldn't make. He's that human that made the decisions to follow after the will of the Father that Adam couldn't make. He's that human that obeyed regardless and and didn't turn to any selfish desire. He's that human that was tempted in all points like we are, the Bible says, yet without sin. And, And so you think about statements like that. How do you explain that away? It's like, well, he was tempted in all points like we are. Well, God can't be tempted. The Bible says that. Jesus was tempted, though, in all points like we are. The possibility, and and this is where people get all mad at me, but the possibility that Jesus could have chosen to sin had to exist, or else there would have been no temptation. Do you follow that? You can't be tempted to do something you can't do. It's impossible. It's like, well, where's the temptation in that? I, I just, it, it, you have to look at certain statements in the scripture. You have to look at certain things that are described. You have to look at certain ways that, that were given to understand Jesus in order to really understand that, that he was a full human being that was empowered by the Holy Spirit. And if that's not your Christology, that's okay, but then you got verses like this that you have to explain away somehow. And there's lots of other verses that you have to explain away somehow because they don't make any sense otherwise. And and so here he is as that human, and he knew the will of the Father. He knew what the Father had for him to do, He knew where he was going and what was about to happen to him. He knew not only the physical part of it, that he would be arrested, he would be tried, he would be beaten, and he would be crucified. He knew those things. And so there was a real aspect to that of physical pain and anguish, but he also knew that there was another component to this. That there would be a spiritual anguish that would take place, an emotional anguish that would take place. And so he had the knowledge of that these things were going to happen. He knew that. He prophesied it. He had told people that these are the things that were going to happen. And so here he was on the doorstep of it. And in a very, and I, and I look at this and I understand A few things better. I understand Jesus better. I understand the Father better. And I understand myself better. When I read this, this passage. Because you have Jesus who knew everything here. He knew what was about to happen. He got it. He had prophesied it. He had told others about it. He knew what was about to happen. But he still went to the Father. And the Bible says in these verses here, it says that he went to pray. And, and he's described as falling on the ground. And that word, that falling on the ground, that phrase means falling on the ground again and again. In other words, he was in anguish. He was in turmoil. He was praying. And and that is his prayer. That's how he chose to pray in that moment. And when you are in anguish and you are in turmoil, you are going to pray however it is you're going to pray. And nobody's judging your prayer style, all right? Maybe he didn't get any style points for falling on the ground time and time again. I don't know. But he was with his disciples and they were close enough to hear him. And they were definitely close enough to see him, because it's described in another gospel when they describe the same scene, that he moved away from them about a uh, a stone's throw. How far can you throw a rock, right? So that's how far away he went. So they could likely still hear him if he's in that kind of anguish, and they could likely probably still see him. And that's why we have this story. That's why we have this account. Somebody saw him. By all accounts and and the way people see things, it would be Peter who then gave this information to Mark to write down. So Peter, likely Peter, was reporting on this is what he saw. That's why Mark's gospel is a little bit different than Luke's gospel. It's a little bit different than Matthew's gospel. Because it had a little bit different information, had a little bit different person that had seen something maybe another person didn't see. And so here was Jesus falling on the ground again and again, and he was praying. And what was he praying for? He was praying for the time of his suffering to pass from him. And, And that word suffering means really bad, awful suffering. So he's praying for this really bad, awful suffering to pass from him. Well, didn't I just say he knew what was about to happen? Yeah. He had the intellectual knowledge to know he he had been given this word, prophecy, whatever you want to call it. He had revelation and he understood this is what's about to happen. And yet he, he throws himself on the ground time and time again, praying, asking, asking for this time of suffering to pass from him. Okay, that speaks in a very human way. And we're like that. You think about things you know in your head. Well, I know X, Y, and Z. Right. Great. But when something, you're facing something, when something is in front of you, when something is really moving in your emotions and really affecting you emotionally, sometimes that thing that's in your head fades and your emotions, the volume gets turned up on them. Yeah. I don't know if you ever experienced that. Yeah. Yeah. I have. All right. I'll give you a good example just this morning. You ready? This is not anything that's going to tell you much about me except for maybe one thing. So I have this drink I drink in the morning that has a bunch of uh, algae in it. I mean, I do it on purpose. It has algae in it and I, I put it in there and I mix it up and I drink it. It's, it's terrible. It's green and it's terrible. It's, it's a horrible drink. But I've been drinking it for years. And so I'm drinking the you know I'm drinking my drink and everything and um, and so I'm moving a few things around all of a sudden the drink falls over. I'm outside, thankfully, cuz I don't want this stuff getting all over the house. I'm outside. Uh, it's on a, a metal table out on my side patio. I'm working out. I'm doing something and the thing the table gets knocked and the thing falls over and just dumps green goo everywhere. And it's falling through the slats of the table. So I picked it up to to you know set it up straight and it slipped out of my hand cuz of all the goo that was on it fell onto the patio and just goes everywhere all right so i can explain to you about the plastic cup that i had in my hand i can explain to you about the green goo Intellectually, I know that it's not the end of the world. I just get a bucket of water and I'll just wash it away. I'm standing outside. It's kind of a perfect scenario for something like that to happen. Intellectually, I know I could just pick the rest of it up and I probably had half a container left and I could have drank it and I would have been fine and and really not that much spilled out. I could tell you all those things. You know what happened instead? I picked that thing up off the ground. I threw it so hard at the pool that the, the top just broke in half on it, and that green stuff went everywhere, all over the side of the pool and the fence on the pool. That's what happened. Ah. So my intellectual thanking didn't save me, did it? Yeah, it didn't save me. I got all emotional on it. Got a little frustrated on that because that's what happens sometimes because we're people. We're not machines. We're not perfect. And sometimes our emotions get the best of us. So, I mean, I got a bucket and I threw water on it and it disappeared and it was all good. But I still need a new mixer cup now because I busted it. so jesus he knew what was going to happen he knew he knew the plan the father had shared the plan jesus had come to earth all right been manifest in the flesh the word of god the word of god who had been with the father for all of eternity became flesh he transitioned into flesh and here he was human being he knew what the score was he knew Revelation, understanding, prophetic word, communing with the Father, all these things. He knew what he was supposed to do. And yet, he fell on the ground time and time again, and he prays his prayer. He says, let this suffering pass from me, this awful suffering. And he uses a phrase here. He calls the Father, he calls him Abba. Abba, Father. And that, that word Abba is an interesting word. Because it, it indicates familiar, intimate, affectionate tenderness. That's what it indicates. It's more than father. I mean, father is a word, a descriptor. It's a noun. I mean, if you say you're someone's father, they know who you are. But most children do not call their father, father. Right? Hello, Father. Would you care to play baseball with me today, Father? You know, we, we don't really do that, right? And so there was a familiar way that that people of their day referred to their fathers. What do we say? Yeah. Dad. Or pops, or what, you know? Right? So dad, pops, something, something familiar, something that... But then you have to add on like a tenderness and an affection to it, all right? And, and so it, that's the idea you have of this. You have that tenderness, you have that affection, you have the intimacy. Uh, and, and understand, this wasn't a formal prayer. Like Jesus wasn't praying the, the priestly prayer or the, the kingly prayer here. He was praying to his Abba Father, He was praying to one that he felt familiar with, intimate with, had an affection with, and knew there was a tenderness that was shared between the two of them. In other words, this is someone he could talk to. And so he just talked to him. The way that he felt. And you have to understand that word Abba, it indicates a a strong affection, But in that strong affection, and this is the part, if you can get this, this could revolutionize your your relationship with your Heavenly Father. If you can get this. It not only indicates a strong affection, but it also indicates a confidence. That he was confident in his relationship with his dad. So this wasn't formal. This isn't something to, you know, to, to somehow write down and, and and just repeat over and over again or anything like that. This is between him and his the affectionate father, affectionate dad. That he had confidence enough in that relationship that he could share his heart with him. That's what was going on there. He was sharing his heart, and this is what his heart was saying. If it be possible. Okay, there's a couple other places in Scripture that refer to the Father as Abba. Um, Romans 8.15, somebody want to read that? So you have not received the spirit that makes you fearful slaves instead you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children now we call him abba father all right so so here is a provision being made because you can look at that and say well Jesus sure Jesus called him that yeah but that that's why Paul's saying this Paul's saying to us that we've been given the spirit this this adoption we we've been filled with the spirit in us so that we can understand the Father this way too. That we can have a tenderness and a familiarity with him, an intimacy, and an affection with him. Because that's what that means. And that's that, that's what the provision has been made for us to do that. It's like it's like one of those things that it's like one of those things in the Bible that if you really don't believe it, you never enter into it. You know, you, you can say it, oh, that verse is neat. Thanks for reading that. But if you don't believe it, then you're not really going to enter into it. It's like you have to somehow, and if you came out of religion, then this is really hard. I know. I know it's really hard. If you came out of religion, this is hard. It's hard for you to, to see God this way. It's hard for you to see the Father this way, to understand Him in a familiar way. It's hard. To understand that you can have a familiarity with the Father, intimacy with the Father, and affection. With the father. Yeah, like that kind of a tenderness. And if you had a terrible relationship with your dad, then you got a bigger problem. Or if you didn't have a dad, you got a bigger problem. Well, everybody's got a dad. But if you didn't know your dad, you got a bigger problem. Or if your dad is a jerk or was a jerk, then you have a bigger problem. You see, you understand what I'm saying? That that your experience with whoever your, your earthly father was, is going to affect the way you see your heavenly father and, and without getting too psychological or anything it's just the way it is and if you're if your earthly father was a cold guy you know kind of cold on the outside kind of guy then you're probably going to see your heavenly father that way and and so it's what we need is what paul describes there we need a witness of the spirit in us to teach us something different that's what we need We need the witness of the Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit to tell us, no, that's not who he is. This is who he is. And then believe him when he shows us who the Father is. we got the Scripture. we got the understanding he's using a word. Words have meaning, and the meaning of the word has to do with tenderness, has to do with familiarity, has to do with intimacy, has to do with affection, has to do with strong affection. That's what the word means. And so we've been given the Holy Spirit of God in us to move in us and change our minds about where we're coming from to something better, to something better, to a God, to a Father that we can be so close to, so intimate with, and share so much affection A father who's tender-hearted toward us, who loves us. A father that we can have confidence to approach with our heart wide open. That's what we have. And so like I said, if you came out of religion, tough concepts, man. But that's why you have the Holy Spirit to teach you. That's why. He's bearing witness to this truth in you. If you haven't hardened your heart to that, which some of you probably have, but if you haven't hardened your heart to that, he'll continue showing you the Father like that. He will. He'll just keep showing you the Father like that until you, until you get it. Let him bear witness in your spirit about who the Father actually is. And then just grab hold of that. Begin to live it. Begin to change your mind about it every time you pray every time I don't know when it was but there was a day came and something had happened in my life and and somebody said to me all they said was something simple said God really likes you and and it occurred to me right then it's like yeah he does he just made me want to cry Because I think I I reached a moment where I just, I was like, yeah. Yeah. He does. He loves me. He's showing me affection right now. And I'm going to learn how to receive that more and more and more. That was my commitment then. It's still my commitment. I want more. I want more of that. I want more confidence in that relationship, or I just share my heart. That's what he has for us. Somebody, look up Galatians four six. Galatians 4, 6. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. All right. So the spirit of Jesus is in your heart, crying out, Abba, Father. Well, what does he say here in Mark 14? What's he saying here? You know, you can say it, Abba, Father. Right. So, so that's crying out. But what's the, what's happening here though? Do you understand why that's important? You get it? What's happening here in Mark 14? He's just bearing his heart. It's not even the fact that it makes any sense. It didn't have to make any sense. He knew what was going to happen intellectually. He knew the plan. Didn't have to make any sense. He still bared his heart. Your emotions do not have to make sense all the time. That's why they're emotions. You don't solve math with emotions. Why? Because they don't make sense all the time. Use your logic to solve mathematical problems. Your emotions don't have to make sense. You're gonna feel your feelings. All right, The, the trick is you're gonna feel your feelings. Just don't let your life be run by your feelings, okay? Make that decision. You're going to feel your feelings, but but don't make like lifelong decisions based just on your feelings. Right. But feel your feelings. Yeah. And so this doesn't make any sense. If you look at it that way, if you look at it from the perspective of Jesus knew what was going to happen. No, you don't. that don't make no sense at all. Jesus knew what his job was. Yeah, he did. So this doesn't make any sense at all. Well, it does because this is what he was feeling. And because he had the relationship with the father, the Abba relationship with his father, he felt confident that he could share his heart. He could bear his heart to his father in front of his disciples even. And anybody else who wanted to see it, anybody else who wanted to know it, he was going to bear his heart to his father. It's all right. That is okay. It's all right. And so he did. He makes this statement. He says, everything is possible for you. In other words, he's saying this. He's like, you know, if you wanted to change things, you could. (laughs) Which is true. Which is true. If he wanted to change something, he could. Alright? And so he lays it out. He's like, Yeah, if you want to change things, you can. And if you can let this cup pass from me, is this this horrible, terrible suffering pass from me, you can do that. And so he prays that. And no was the answer he received. <laughs> right? So, in other words, he's gonna bear his heart, gonna bear his soul. You know, cry out to his father who he knows loves him in all kinds of affection, tenderness, intimacy, all of that with a confidence to bear his heart to his father. He prays, let this pass from me. You can do anything. You can do this. Let it pass from me. And so he's waiting. He got his answer. What's his answer? No. No. And see, that's what makes God God. Just telling you. Because he's going to say no when the answer is no. He's going to say yeah when the answer is yeah. It's kind of his job. And so we have to be willing, and this is a great lesson about love. And I hope you can hear this too. Just because somebody doesn't agree with you, doesn't mean they don't love you. You get it? Because lots of people ain't got to make hard decisions sometimes. People aren't always going to agree with you. People are always going to go your way. People are not going to always agree with your opinion. People are not always going to do the things you want them to do. People are not always going to say the things you want them to say. But you know what? It doesn't mean they don't love you. Because the Father certainly loved Jesus. And Jesus asked him very specifically for something here. Cried out, threw himself on the ground time and time again. He was distraught. He was crying out. His spirit was crying out. He was emotionally crying out to a father he knows loves him, but the father's answer was still no. No. And there is a lesson to be learned in this because you've all heard stories of people mad at God, they're mad at God. Because they asked God, you know, you know, my, my mom's in the hospital, you know, and she's sick, you know, God, could you please, you know, spare her? And then she dies anyway. So they cried out to a father, and the father's answer was No. And so then they just hate his guts. Just hate him. Why? because he said no all right we're not three years old okay and those are tough times when that happens but we're not three years old we're not two years old and we can't act like that and i think most of us have had enough life experience to understand that sometimes the answer is just no It doesn't mean he doesn't love us. It doesn't mean he doesn't care for us. Doesn't mean he's not looking out for us. Doesn't mean he, he doesn't, he, he doesn't have the best interest in mind for us. I mean, any of those things just means the answer was no. And whether we understand why the answer was no or we don't understand why the answer was no, there is no place in that for us just to get, oh, well then, I hate you. I'm not going to believe in you then. Well, that doesn't mean he doesn't exist, does it? You don't have to believe in lots of stuff. They still exist. I don't believe in China. China exists. Yeah, I was like, people was like, well, I don't believe the Earth is round. The Earth is round. I don't believe the Earth revolves around the sun. The Earth revolves around the sun. You don't have to believe it; it just is what it is. And so, those kind of things in our know, lives, like, well, and you've all run into people that say things like that. I just want to just tell you that that is so immature and such a weird concept. That it's like, well, I asked for this, and he didn't do it. Okay. Well, who's God in this scenario? Seriously. Just because you asked for it, it has to be done? That's not how it works. That's just not how it works. That's not how it ever worked. Even for Jesus. If it didn't work for Jesus every time, guess what? (laughs) fat chance for you okay (laughs) and me because he's the example right so what does that tell us it's going to work for us every time no it won't he's the example so we know that and so we can't look at it and be like well i didn't get my way so i'm just gonna be all mad i'm gonna pack all my toys i'm going home to where he alone has the words of eternal life and sometimes he does things that we don't understand. All right, sometimes we ask for something, and he doesn't give it to us. All right, sometimes we ask for something very specific, the answer is no. Okay, get over it. Now, I know it's easy to say because I'm not asking for anything right now. Well, maybe I am asking for something right now. Maybe I asked for something yesterday, and the answer was no. Which, that's what, it did happen. I asked for something yesterday, very specifically, and the answer was no. So what am I going to do, get all mad about it? Nope no there was some other reason that the father had for whatever it was and that's only that's him I don't know that I just don't know it and so Jesus he asked the answer was no and I want you to think about the times were fixed already and agreed upon he knew that the father knew that These times had been fixed and they had all been agreed upon. This is the way it is. And God chooses. And I kind of get this about God. God chooses to live in an order of things. He does. He chooses to be consistent. And that's just how he's revealed himself. He has revealed himself as one Who chooses to live in an order of things his order not ours his order and to be consistent so he is so the answer was no and his purpose in all of this was mercy that's the father's purpose see we know the end of the story we already know what happened so we can look back on it but i was trying to put you in jesus's spot you kind of get what i'm doing here that he's in the spot, he's asking, he's bearing his soul, and he gets a no. All right. Well, the Father's purposes were set, and mercy was his main purpose. I mean, he had salvation of all mankind. He had salvation of the world from that point onward, and and so this is what it was going to be. It was a restoration of his created order that was taking place here. There was some big fish to fry that was going on through what Jesus was doing, which Jesus knew. He already knew all this stuff. And yet he cried out because that's what he's feeling. His heart cried out. And so Jesus' will was not done here. He's like, because he made this statement. He said, not my will to the Father, not my will, but yours be done. So what was Jesus' will in this? What was his will? No, no. His will was, I want this cup to pass. That was his will. And it was not done in this situation. And again, intellectually, he knew what needed to be done, but he emotionally asked for the cup. Well, the cup is your lot or your portion. And it it could be good, it could be evil, it could be whatever. But he emotionally asked, he said, let this cup pass from me, my lot, my portion. Well, he already knew what his lot and portion was. That's why he wanted it to pass. He knew how awful it was going to be. He got it. He understood it. So that's what he asked for. But at this point, the answer is what? No. No. And so what you see quickly happening in the life of Jesus is that he got the no. He didn't have a tantrum. He didn't stomp his feet. He didn't get all mad at the Father. None of that happened. None of that happened. But he accepts and he agrees with the answer. And that word accept, you use the word submission. There's a submission that took place. Can you do this for me? No. Accepting that answer is a submission to the answer of the Father. So he accepts it, and then he agrees with it. He welcomes it. And the idea behind that word agree is a welcoming or wanting something. In other words, he wanted the Father's will to be done. It's like, nevertheless, not my will, which well, just got the big no, so my will is not going to be done. Not my will, yours, be done. And so he submitted himself to the answer that he received, and then he welcomes, welcomes, accepts it, agrees with it for the Father's will. I want your will done. I want it done. And you see, there's a trust there. Do you get that? Like he had an emotional idea. What was his idea? Let this pass from me. Father said, no. Times, the seasons, the plans are set. Then I welcome your will be done. I submit myself to your answer. Because what the Father wanted to do was better. What the Father wanted to take place was the best thing that could possibly happen. And you have to understand that in each of us, there's two different wills going on. If you're connected to the Father, if you're connected to the Holy Spirit, if the Holy Spirit indwells you, there's two wills going on inside of you. There's your will, the human will, and then there's the divine will. Sometimes they match up, maybe lots of times. But sometimes they don't. Because they're distinct. And so they don't have to match up. In other words, you've got your will. This is your will. You've got the divine will, that's divine will, and sometimes they're flowing together. And that's great. Because you got like a good little bit of flow here, a little bit of synergy going on, that's good. But then sometimes they get out of sync. Where your will is saying one thing, the divine will is saying the other thing. And, I mean, you can take it to the Father and say, hey, this is what I'm looking at. This is what I want. This is what we need to do here. And what's going to happen normally if your will is out of sync with the Father's will? What do you think is going to happen most of the time? No. Okay, that's where your submission comes in, and that's where you recognize in your trust, in your faith, in your trust of the Father, that then what He wants is going to be better than anything you ever thought of. Period. And you need to be able to trust that and welcome it and want it. It's like, this is what I'm thinking. No. Well, then watch you guys better and welcome that in. That's the trust. When you start arguing with God for extended periods of time because you want your way and you don't necessarily like what he's saying, there's a lack of trust there. You get it? You're trusting yourself more than you're trusting Him. And, and really trusting Him, having faith in Him, believing Him. And that's where all that rubber hits the road, okay? Is when there's a disagreement. When the human will is in disagreement with the divine will, what you're going to do? Are you going to trust your smarts? Are you going to put yourself in a position where I'm going to accept the will of the Father... I'm going to welcome the will of the Father. I want to see the will of the Father done, and I will submit myself to his answer. See, that's where good stuff happens right there. Good stuff in your life, good stuff in other people's life, good stuff in the lives of people around you. That's where that happens, is in those moments. And so these distinct wills, they both reside in us. And here's a little, a little hint to this: one will be subject to the other. I know I, I said, "Oh, they're distinct and and they line up." Well, our our human will lines up with the divine will when we submit ourselves to it. Because I, I, there's lots of times, and I, I can't even begin to count, or I can't even begin to describe to you all the times. That I don't understand what God's doing. I can't even. I can't even begin to understand. All the times that. It just seems like. I just can't see why God would do that. And When I hear people use that. As an excuse for doing what they want to do. I kind of cringe. Well I can't see God doing that. Right. That's why he's God. And you're not. And that's how it works. But. Yeah, you, know, you can't really say that to everybody cuz you don't know everybody that well. So, you just say, "Oh. Huh. Hope that works out." <laughs> <laughs> cuz the real issue becomes is like I can't make you have faith. I can't make you trust the Father. I can't make you, you know, believe that his will and his purposes are better than yours. I can't do that. You have to do that. You have to come to that conclusion. You have to look back on your life, and there's probably enough examples in your life you'd look back on it and say, you know what? Yeah, I remember that time. I didn't know what was going on, but what God had was a lot better. I remember this time. I I, I didn't agree with this, but I I just did it anyway, and God, it worked out great. I mean, if you really kept track of any of those things, man, you'd have plenty of ammo for this, this conversation in your life. That inner conversation needs to take place. That God comes through. That God has your best interest in mind. That the Father loves you. Abba, Abba, Abba. Tender. Loving. Confident. That's our Father. And so everything I'm saying isn't really such a big leap if you really understand how the Father sees you and how the Father loves you. And I guess that's the main point is that this isn't a huge leap. It's just a falling into trust. This isn't a huge jump of faith. It's really just a submission to one who loves you and has your best interests in mind. That's what it is. And he never fails. Humans fail, friends fail, parents fail but he doesn't. And so falling into his will and submitting ourselves into that, to me, is, is an act that, okay, once we've said what we need to say, once we've expressed ourselves, once we have, have brought our case forth, the answer is given, that's the end. It's okay. Something better is on the way. Something better is on the way. You know, talking to people that want to get married is such a hard lesson. And I've had a few circumstances where it's happened that they've prayed about it and, you know, after they've dated for a while and it seemed like this is, this is a train on the tracks just heading right for the altar where God just says no. And as hard as that is to accept, the answer is no. And so what needs to happen is, is that, okay, I submit myself to that. You got something better for me. You got something better for me. That's the next thought. And And I know Jesus had to go through everything, and I know that all that had to happen, but, man, it was so much better. It's perfect. And so the Father, if we can trust him, The Father, if we can let Him love us, the Father, if we just believe who He says He is, if He's Abba, then submitting ourselves to His answer and finding ourselves in agreement with His will for our life should be natural and somewhat easy. Because putting yourself in the hands of somebody that you know ultimately loves you and cares for you, is not a hard task. It may take some discipline to bring your emotions into check, but it's not a hard task to put yourself in the hands of somebody who really loves you. And so let's just start at the beginning tonight. And that's a revelation of Abba in our lives. And so I want to just take a few moments and pray. And I want to pray for you that there would be a revelation of Abba in your life. And what that means. I know we don't use that word. I mean, it's kind of a Swedish disco group. But um, it's it's more than that. It, it's intimate. It's, it's dad. It's familiar. It's confident in your relationship with him. So, Father, I pray... That we get a good revelation tonight of how much you love us. Because God, I I just want you, I ask you to draw us closer to you, as your children, as your sons and daughters tonight, that we be drawn closer to our, our heavenly spiritual dad who loves us with an everlasting love, whose purposes For our lives have been mercy from the very start and all that that means. A dad that is looking out for our best interests. A dad that wants to see us succeed. A dad that has a better plan and a better idea than we could ever have. A dad who just wants to love us if we'll let him. And so, Father, I pray that we really get a revelation of how much you like us and how much you love us and how much you care for us. I pray we get a revelation of a spiritual dad that wants the very best. For me. For me. Thank you, God. I pray for just whatever ideas that we have of you uh, that are contrary to what you revealed yourself and who you revealed yourself as, I pray they'd be washed away in the name of Jesus. I pray religious ideas be washed away in Jesus' name. I pray ideas from family hurts and abandonment to be washed away in Jesus' name. I pray for mistakes that parents have made that we've placed on you somehow, that that would be washed away in the name of Jesus. And I pray the Spirit of Jesus into each one of us to cry, Abba, Father, in our hearts tonight, in our spirits tonight, in our soul tonight. I pray that kind of an emotional cry in us and I pray his spirit to to just light up our hearts. Just light up our minds. Light up our spirit, Abba Father. Thank you, Lord. Mm. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. So Dad, I pray uh, just trust, more trust. Yes, it got to be something real and lived, not just something talked about. What a privilege it is to know you, what a privilege it is to be your child. What a privilege it is to be cared for by you, to be loved by you, what a privilege. Yeah. We give you thanks tonight. I just pray, God, more and more revelation, more and more understanding, you draw us to a deeper place, if it in Jesus' name. Let's be by saying amen.
1: UCF of Syracuse is a relational gathering of diversity in action. Economics, education, employment, background, and culture span the spectrum as we gather for the purpose of life in Christ. Yo, know, me and Christ are homies. That's good. He's really cool, mm-hmm. you know? We super close, yo. Your homeboy? Yeah. All right. Anyways, so musicians, writers, painters. You know, my cousin's a painter. Yeah? What do you paint? Houses. Oh, man. My cousin, your cousin should hook up. Yeah. So, yeah, painters and other artists express their work through the body of life of this faith community, like the Comunidad. Dad. all say a lot of people. Yeah. No. Started in 1997. That's a long time ago, yo. That's back in the day. That was before I had my eyebrows tattooed on there. I remember that. Mm hmm. Yeah. As an outgrowth of Chaplaincy of Syracuse University, UCF continues to gather in the Westcott neighborhood of Syracuse. Oh, me and my homegirls, we walk up and down there all the time. It's, I know, that's our hood. Mm hmm so it's in Syracuse, New York to share the love and hope of Christ again we we homies yeah